0: In the name of Jesus. Amen. Once a year, one time a year. That's how often the ancient Jews, the Israelites of the Old Testament, would commemorate Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And I imagine that if you were one of those ancient Jews, you couldn't help but have a nagging sense, wondering whether it was enough. Is that really enough? Once a year? Now, of course, there were a myriad of other sacrifices, right? Uh, and for those of you who managed to endure through our study of Leviticus last year, perhaps you remember some of these, right? There was the sin offering for unintentional sins. There was the guilt offering for acts of desecration in the holy place. There was the burnt offering for God's favor. There were peace offerings. There were wave offerings. There were all kinds of different offerings covering all sorts of different circumstances. There were lots of sacrifices that were made. But only on Yom Kippur, only on the Day of Atonement, one time a year was the promise of full atonement made. Once a year. And yet there could be this nagging sense, I imagine, that it's like the juice is still running, if I can put it that way. You know that the debt itself, the principal, if you will, is unpaid, and the interest just keeps going up. We make this payment with this scapegoat and this sacrifice one time a year, but It's not getting right down to the root of the matter. Still, people are dying. Still, sin pervades our life. It seems as though it's kind of like, if I can change the metaphor, we're we're crimping a hose. You ever do that? You're crimping a hose. You see this in old cartoons, right? The guy's crimping the hose and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You're stopping the flow for a little while But that doesn't mean that the problem has gone away. In fact, you're just creating perhaps an even bigger problem than you had before. So it is for the Israelites in ancient times. Once a year, the Day of Atonement fends off the awful judgment of God on their sin that was deserved. But how long could they count on a forbearance from the heavenly bank? How long could they assume that the Lord was going to accept that once-a-year sacrifice? How long could they wait, and how long can we? You know, I was thinking about the Day of Atonement and Yom Kippur and all those sacrifices, and maybe it's just because you're reading about all this blood being splashed all over the place. I started thinking, of course, about horror films. <clears throat> and it's not exactly a slasher film that we have in leviticus but you might get that impression right i was thinking about how it's kind of the the plot of so many horror films that the character committed some sin some secret sin that they thought was never going to be found out whoops one of my favorite kind of truth and advertising horror films that came out in the last decade or so is entitled "Drag Me to H.E. Double Hockey Sticks." Okay, PG <clears> thirteen here. Uh, that's the title of the movie, and I'm going to give you a spoiler here. At the end of the movie, the main character gets dragged to H.E. Double Hockey Sticks. You know, at the end, I was like, "Okay, good, yeah, they, they fulfilled the promise there." This is what so many horror films are. We think, well, that's so over the top. That's so, that's so silly. That's, just, that's how a horror movie is. But you know what? Before there were the horror movies of today, there was people like Edgar Allan Poe who would tell of the telltale heart. you remember that story? The man who kills his annoying neighbor or family member, somebody with the vulture eye. He couldn't take it anymore. He says, you know what? I got rid of them. Yes, it's true. And it goes. I won't get into all the grisly details, but suffice it to say, he keeps on hearing that tot, 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 that telltale heart. Every one of us have a telltale heart. Things that we wish would stay hidden, that we know might still yet come back to haunt us. The secret sins that we try to to put away, to keep in the closet, to forget about. But is a day going to come when that debt's going to need to be repaid? Are we going to have to make a balloon payment one day? (laughs) At the end of the loan, when now it all comes due at once. Yes, God has given us his divine forbearance, but what about on the last day? Like all those billboards say, one day I will die and then I will meet God. What's the bill going to come due? Once a year. Once a year, the Israelites would have their Day of Atonement to try and deal with this, to put it off, to apply for another forbearance from God. Can we defer these payments for a bit longer, Lord? We still don't have that one perfect sacrifice. Year by year, the scapegoats come and go, sent off to Azazel. Year by year, the blood is splashed onto the mercy seat in order to make atonement, all the while knowing that the juice is still running. Until finally, God in his righteousness says, I'm going to take care of this myself. You know, we heard that reading from Romans 3, and Paul uses language precisely from the Day of Atonement. He speaks of that $5 word in there, the word propitiation. Let me hear you say propitiation. Propitiation. Don't use that in everyday talk. Do you, oh, you propitiated anything lately? Okay. At the grocery store. Um, The word that he uses there for propitiation is the same word that's used in Leviticus 16 for the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the place where the blood was splashed. The mercy seat was the locatedness, the locus of God's atoning act. What Paul is saying is that now Jesus is your mercy seat and mine. He is the one who has now made that atonement not just once a year, but once and for all. Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, a mercy seat, an atoning sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. God could forbear no longer on that debt, but he did not foreclose on his people nor evict them eternally. Instead, his son said, I will take it. I will accept the due penalty. I will pay that debt. When Christ Jesus is nailed to the cross, it's precisely that that's put there. Boom! Paid for you and for me. And this is the news that liberates. This is the news that sets you and me free. This is the news that is able to clear our guilty conscience and say, you don't have to worry about those secret sins haunting you anymore, those things coming out of the closet of which you are afraid, the things that you wish you could forget. Even if you can't, God has. He has forgiven, and he has forgotten. And that's the news that sets us free. A few weeks back, I was over here at uh, the PVCC on Wednesdays, a a volunteer, a host there, and I find myself sometimes having really interesting conversations with folks who come by. And right before uh, the time when I'm there, there's um, a a yoga gathering that gets together there, and I've gotten to know one of the gals that um, goes to the yoga, and we were talking, and I was asking her, like, okay, how did yoga go today? I don't know what it accounts for a good yoga time, right? Like I didn't throw my back out or break a bone, I'm not sure. I have not done yoga, as you can imagine. My downward facing dog is not facing that way. But anyway, she says, oh yeah, it was a really good session today. I said, really? Okay, well, what, what makes a good session of yoga as the leader of it? And she said, well, I didn't forget anything I wanted to say and I didn't say anything stupid. And I was like, wow, I used the same criteria. <laughs> Um, But she said, last week was not a good week. I said, really? she said, yeah, there was this word that I used the wrong way. And, you know, all week long, it was just haunting me. Like, really? Just one little word? Probably nobody else noticed it? She's like, no, but I noticed it. And I'm trying to forgive myself. I'm trying to forgive myself. And I said, how's that going? She said, not so good. When you and I try to forgive ourselves, it doesn't go so good because we have that telltale, tick-tock heart that's always counting, that's always keeping that running tally of all the things we've gone, done wrong and all the ways that the interest must continue to be accruing. But listen to me. The heart of the Father tells the tale of your forgiveness. The message of mercy is what he proclaims. The debt has been paid. The juice is not running. You are free. Not just once a year, but once and for all. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.